the American Major General Chris Donahue from the 82nd Airborne Division was caught in the telescopic night sights at one minute to midnight on the 31st of August fleeing from the battle-torn Afghanistan, fleeing in the night to get the last 747 out. That sight will be a sight to be remembered in history, especially to the proud Americans. But more sad and more chilling and more awful was the figure behind him of the Taliban fighter hoisting a flag of victory over Kabul. What a humiliating surrender to the great America. The people that call themselves the home of the brave and the land of the free on whose dollar is printed in God we trust. Bowing, capitulating at the feet of another God which was Allah. For the fighter that stood in Kabul with the white flag and the rifle give praise and glory to the God Allah. What a sight and what a shame. Military historians are already saying that the demise and the defeat of the American Special Forces in Afghanistan rates alongside the battles of Queenstown, Saratoga, North Korea and Vietnam. All these, my friends, were humiliating defeats and many more. Painful defeats. But I want to say to you that they all pale into insignificance when it comes to the fall of the great Israeli defense forces in these chapters that we're looking at this morning. The ancient Taliban, the ungodly, uncircumcised Philistines, they had hammered and humiliated and bludgeoned God's covenant people into submission. The word of God tells us they were hiding and fleeing and duking. It tells us they were scattered to the caves and the rocks and the dens. And some of them had even gone back over the Jordan. Theologians agree that in all the history of Israel that there was never a defeat like this one. There was never a time there was low or demoralized and 
brought down. So I want you to cast your eyes on verse 5 of 1 Samuel 13, and I hope you have your Bible open, and I hope you follow me. For we have come to deal with some serious things in God's Word this morning. And the Philistines, the sworn enemies of Israel, the Palestines are the fruits of them. And the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. And they came and pitched in Michmash eastward from Bethaven. When the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait or they were cornered for the people were distressed, then the people did hide themselves in caves and in thickets and in rocks and in high places and in pits. And some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of God and Gilead. Went back. Went back. And as for Saul, he was yet at Gilgal. And all his people followed him, trembling. Look at verse 15. And Samuel rose and got him up from Gilgal unto Gibeah of Benjamin. And Saul numbered the people that were present with him, about 600 people. What a motley crew. And Saul and Jonathan, his son, and the people that were present with him, abode in Gibeah of Benjamin. But the Philistines encamped in Michmash. That's the West Bank today. So if you look at chapter 14 and verse 2, let these words drive into your heart. And Saul tarried in the uttermost parts of Gibeah. That was Saul's hometown. He's gone home. He's gone home. Like a lot of God's people. He's gone home. That will do us reading the word at the moment. The great King Saul, the one who had a measure of defeat earlier on in his life, filled with the Holy Ghost, head and shoulders above everybody else, head of the greatest military power in the world, and let me say they still are, and they'll prove to be before very long. The man that was commissioned to destroy the Philistines. He himself was destroyed by them. He that was destined to destroy the Philistines is caught here in the night sights. On the run. At a minute to midnight. As far as Israel is concerned here, they've resigned and resolved to surrender. The enemy was in hot pursuit. They were only a mile or so away. Michmash. They had already captured the chariots, the horses, and the weapons. That you'll see as we close. And they're closing in for the slaughter. They had already slaughtered men and women. They had already raped their wives. And they're driving down to wipe Israel out as they would love to do today, and I've said they would do, but they'll never do. 
These Lord's Day mornings, from these Old Testament scriptures, I'm calling your attention to the state of the present-day evangelical church in our land. Now, there'll be some hard truths hit this morning. And last morning we looked at this situation and we saw the fear that gripped them. You see the trembling, fear. It's an awful thing, fear, when it gets into God's people. Boy, has it not got in. The fear that gripped them, there was the faith that left them, and there was a fool that led them. And you could multiply that thousands of times across our land. Fools lead you. Do I have to remind you again this morning and those listening to me, do I have to remind you that we're in a crisis hour in the church? That we're at a minute to midnight on God's prophetic clock? Is the church not caught on the, on the, on the night sights on the run? Does God not look down and see us on the run at a minute to midnight? The devil has hoisted the white flag of victory over many of our churches, over many of our villages and of our towns and our province. Denomination after denomination have capitulated and they have retreated and they have fallen to a far worse enemy than the Taliban or Hitler or communism or Islam. King Corona. You know, I told you before that Corona is the Latin name for crown. Crown. King Satan. The spirit of Antichrist, my friend, is everywhere. It's reeking. You can almost feel it. Torpedoing us in every corner. So many of God's people blind to the fact. The title last message was Pray for a Sick Church. And I have no perambulators in these messages. I'm just going to stop when the Lord tells me to stop. So I want to go on with this thought this morning, a sick church. I was thinking the other day that night after night here in our prayer meetings and what times we have a prayer, and that humbles me to see how many comes and how far you travel. But we bring request after request for the sick physically and the sick mentally. And so we should and so we will continue to do. Pray for our mothers and our fathers and our sons and our daughters that are sick. But is it not time we began to pray for a sick church? You see, the church is not the building. It's not the hall, or it's not the house, or it's not you're in. The church is the believer, the ecclesia, the called out ones, the believer. You can't pray for a church. If you do, you'll be praying in idolatry. You can't pray to bricks and mortar. But the church is the living being, the, uh, the living stones that Peter tells. We, we, each individual, is the church of Jesus Christ. So we need to pray then for ourselves. Maybe we need to start turning our prayers more inwards.
When you put a congregation of people together, 50, 100, 200 a minute, on a Lord's Day and they're all sick, boy, they all have some sort of a malady, some weakness, some infirmities, lame, blind, deaf. Spiritually, I'm talking about. I tell you, it's not America we need to pray for. It's not Britain we need to pray for. It's not a border down the Irish Sea we, we need to be praying about. We need to be praying for ourselves. Let a man examine himself. There's a scripture in 2 Samuel 20 where Job said to Amasa, listen to what he said to him, Are you in health, my brother? Are you healthy, my brother? Let me ask you this morning and myself this morning as I go down this message. Are you spiritually healthy this morning? I'm not asking you about your physical health. And I sympathize with all that. But whenever God came to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, he didn't say, how are you? Or who are you? He says, where art thou? Sure, God knew where he was. But he's asking Adam to bring out a reply from me. He's saying to you this morning, personally, he's saying to you, this, where are you? Where are you spiritually this morning? Over 50 years ago, I went for a medical <coughs> examination for a job. It was a fairly tight one. And the doctor, if he was a doctor at all, I don't know. He had a telescope around him anyway. He was an ignorant boy. He only grunted at me. But out your tongue, I felt like keeping it out. And then he had a pad and paper and he started to put down. Open your mouth. And you're right. And then you put a boy here and it thumped about in the heart. Never spoke, just me your hands. Can you hear that here? Can you hear that? Stand on those scales. Measure, measure you for your height. And he grunted, go on. I don't know what he wrote down. Tell me, are you a candidate for the job this morning? Hmm? The tongue. What does God say in the tongue? <clears throat> not a matter what we write down, not a matter what he says. What about your tongue in the week that was passed? Is it healthy? Hmm? Are you criticizing the elders? Are you criticizing the Sunday school teacher? Are you criticizing some other Christian? You're not in health. God's telescopic night sights is on you night and day. What about your eyes? Hmm? What are you watching? What were you watching when the wife went to bed, sir? I'm asking you, are you a healthy Christian? 
For men, you couldn't be a healthy Christian watching some of the stuff that I hear people watching. Are you a healthy Christian? Are you, what about your eyes? Or you spend hours watching soaps, divorce, remarriage, homosexuality, filling your mind. I tell you this, there's no acting on the way to heaven. What about your hands? Handling money that's not yours. Taking money that doesn't belong to you. Working and taking money on the side. I tell you, God sees your hand and he'll judge you for it. He knows what you're tinkering with, with the farm accounts. Friend, listen, the night sights are on you. God sees this morning. Are you in health? What about your feet? Monday, God, God has written this down. Monday, he was at the gym. Wednesday, they were in the shops. Friday, he had his feet up on the sofa. Those happened to be the three prayer meeting nights. Are you in health, my brother? Are you in health, my sister? How does God see us? Are we a sick church? I want to move on this morning from the sick church to the surrendered church. Surrendered not to God, but surrendering to the enemy. This is what you have here. And I don't know how long I will be in these chapters. But I see in these chapters an awesome picture of the church of Jesus Christ that is capitulated in this hour of battle. This is the hour of battle, the hour of crisis. Now, the, the first thing that they surrendered to, they surrendered their will. Their will. Where there's a will, there's a way. Where there's no will, there's no way. They surrendered their will to pray. You'll not read of them praying. Fiddling about with the napod there. Not praying. They'd lost the will to pray. They'd lost the will to stand. They'd lost the will to fight. The threefold enemy had launched an awesome attack on them and he had come in from the kill. Look at verse 17. And the spoilers came out of the camp of the Philistines in three companies. I tell you, that speaks to me of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And they had them on the run, and when the devil gets you on the run, let me tell you, he'll follow hard after you till he puts his foot on your neck. The world, the external foe. The flesh, the internal foe. And the devil, the infernal foe, for all he's after is damning men and women in the fires of hell. Once the man of God, Samuel, pulled away, once the man of God, Samuel, stopped praying. Once the man of God, Samuel, walked away from Saul and his sin and his rebellion, the enemy moved in. You watch that now and you read that. They moved in. Then it says, then it says, 
whenever they got them on the run and all their defenses down, the enemy moved in. I want to say to you this morning, keep at the praying. I know it's costly for some of you, and I know it is, to be here even one night. And it's more costly to be here too, and it's certainly more costly for some to be here the three. But your heart is after God. It's after God. God only knows how the spoilers have come in. These were the advanced party, the special forces of the Philistines. They're coming down in to take the spoil, the booty. They're coming down in to clear all up. And it's all over as far as they're concerned, and it's all over as far as Israel's concerned. And I want to say to you this morning, if it was not for a praying church holding the line, he'd do with this fellowship what he has done with many fellowships. Chase them into their homes. Close the doors. Mesmerizes, paralyzes them. And there's no voice for God. A man said to me the other day during the week, he said, how is it? How is it and why is it that you're seeing people getting saved from Donegal and Lurgan and Eden Dork and people coming in over the past month and I bet. I tell you why it is. I'll tell you, my friend, there's no problem with an answer with that because God's people are serious and God's people are praying. Keep at the prayer. So when the enemy comes in like a flood, that the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. That word standard is the word banner. That word banner is the word flag. And I refuse to let the enemy hoist a victory flag over this corner. I refuse. If I stand to the last man, I'll stand. For I'm a fighting breed and I'll stand. I'll stand and we'll stand and we'll hoist the red stained black flag of the banner of the cross over it. There's victory in Jesus and there's power in the blood. And we're going to see mighty victories. And you'll see next week. I can't wait to get that next week. The devil cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. He is stealing, he is killing, and he is destroying. Jesus says, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Listen, don't let the enemy break you. Don't let the enemy intimidate you. Don't give up the fight for your boy, for your girl. For your family, don't give up the fight. Collective, united prayer is winning the battle. I want to say to you that this autumn and this winter is not for the faint, will not be for the faint-hearted. And if you want to retreat, retreat now. And if you want to pull out of your membership application, pull out now. 
For it's not going to be for the faint-hearted. Pull out now if you want. Go with the rest of them. Go back to your room and go back to your Zoom and go back to your doom. If we want to keep listening to the lies and the propaganda from professors and scientists that has the whole country distracted and many causing suicide and the wee children don't know where to turn, they're in school, they're out of school. Oh, God help us. One Jackson's all you need. No, no, you need two. No, no, you need three. No, you need, might need four. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to take the injection. I never ever said that. And I'm not saying it's ever wrong. I never told anybody not to wear a mask. We've done what we could here in our own conscience. I'm only saying this. Well, don't you go out and, as others have done and foul mouth me for saying things I didn't say. I'm only saying what I see and what is around us and what people are telling me and what scientists, sci Christian scientists and doctors are beginning to tell me and beginning to see. There's a fear. There's an antichrist fear. It's the spirit of antichrist. And once he gets us afraid, once he gets us down, once he gets us on the run, he'll close up the whole shooting gallery. That's what he wants to do. And I thank God when we come next week, we'll see there's a couple of men and they're not heavens. There's a couple of men, there's a small remnant, John, Jonathan and Arma Bear. We're not going to stand for this. So first of all, you have the surrendered will. Secondly, you have the surrendered witness. Can you imagine how the Philistines enjoyed this? Servants and soldiers of Jehovah, the great God, whose com commander-in-chief is none other than the captain of our host, the Lord Jesus Christ, and Joshua, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, leading them, who said, ye shall be my witnesses. What a shameful witness. Saul has let this crowd Get into. What a shameful witness this was to the uncircumcised, ungodly Philistines. What a laugh. What a laugh they must have had when they came with their heads down with their with their mattocks and their so with their mattocks and their spades to get them sharpened amongst the Philistines. If they wanted to do a wee bit of toiling in the ground to get a few vegetables and to eat them, they had to take the they had to take all of them. I wrote down here the spades, the scythes, the sickles. They had to take them all to down to the to, to the, 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 the Philistines to sharpen them and pay for it. What humiliation! What humiliation! That must have been. Witness was gone. I tell you, my friend, and I'm speaking from experience, 50 years with the Lord. And all in this province, the evangelical church in Ulster, Ulster was bad enough before COVID. Our testimony to the world, in the world, and from the world was pathetic. 
Now, unless we face up to this, unless we realize this, unless we plead guilty to this, we will never have revival. Never. Splits, schisms, lawsuits, talking amongst the Christians now, immoral scandals, leadership, plus the fact there's no life, there's no power, no praise, no souls. One denomination not speaking to another, one minister of another denomination not announcing a mission for another, nothing to do with one another. What a pathetic witness the church of Jesus Christ has got themselves into. I tell you, God ended all. Well, he didn't end it all, but he ended a good bit of it with COVID. Since, since the lockdowns and the closed downs, people are beginning to realize God is beginning to speak this I, the very first message I preached when it was announced that we had to shut down was in Psalm 73, is it a thunderbolt from heaven? This is a thunderbolt from heaven. And God's shaking, God's waking, God's scattering, God's driving, God's working, and he's, 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 he's getting a remnant. A remnant, and I believe most of you here this morning a remnant. And the ungodly looks on and, the, and, and they say, uh, even in this COVID thing, they, they're looking on and they're saying, what sort of faith is these boys? See, these are the men that sing and preach and talk about stand up, stand up for Jesus and it's lock up and shut up. And they're saying, this is what the world is saying, my friend. This is what the ungodly are saying. Because there's no attraction. Who would want to join a crowd like this? Who would want to come near Saul like this? In fact, many of our people have even gone to the Philistines. You'll see that next week. They've gone in amongst the Philistines to live with them and work with them. Who would want to... Who would want to have anything to do with a confused, scared, trembling crowd with this, like, with a leader like this? Gee, they wouldn't want anything to do with it. And they sing, they say, they're singing. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. Oh, that will be glory for me. That's what the world is looking at us and laughing at us. When I was in with the doctor one day and he put, put my foot up and he put up your foot and put it up there. And after I just give me this big long needle. And he come, he says, I'm going to give you an injection here in the knee. He says, these are terrible days we're living. Boy, it was the worst thing to say to me. Society is, but you know the end of the world's coming. Why she swung this big needle around the hut? He's going to put it through. He says, what? I says, the end of the world's coming. He says, what are you getting this leg done for if the end of the world's coming? Oh, we're saying, oh, it's coming, and the Lord's coming, and we're going to heaven, and all the bed, and that'll be good. 
Why are, why are we not standing? Why are we not fighting? Why are we not praising? Why are we not shouting? Why are we not out of the tracks? Why are we not out in the open air? Why are we not saying, Lord, you may come today and I want to be ready. I don't want to be in the corner. I don't want to be lying at home when the prayer meeting died. I want to be in the battle. I want to be in the fight. Hallelujah. William from Manor says, you Christians, <laughs> he says, you're all talking about going to heaven and going to glory and being crowned and all the rest and the streets of gold and everything. What are you taking all the tablets for? <laughs> are you dosing yourself with tablets every day if you want to go to glory? What are you getting all these injections for if you want? You want to get to heaven? You want to see Jesus? Oh, I'm staying at home because I'm afraid to go out. I don't want to smite anybody. You're not a bit afraid of other people. It's yourself. Boy, if you thought you were going to glory and you'd be in it tonight, would you care what you had? Would you not want to be out of tracks? Would you not want to be praying? Would you not want to be praising? Sure, what is the use in building houses and what is the use in buying cars and what is the use in buying land? It's all going to fall away if you're going to do That's what you say you're going to have in any minute. You don't believe it at all. Not a bit of you. You know what has happened? And in one sense it is good, in the other sense it's not so good. You know what has happened? Now many people are saying, well, you know what? I'll stay at home. I'll stay at home. I had a woman the other day said, I stay at home now. Stay at home and get up at 10 o'clock and I make a big mug of coffee and I go back to bed and I turn on some boy and it comes live and sometimes you go off to sleep in the middle of it and I turn on to somebody else. She said, the Lord understands, the Lord understands nothing of that nonsense. Nothing. As you, dear, would need to understand that you forsake not the assembling of yourself together it's you that need to understand that you need to be in the battle and the fight in this last and crisis hour in which we're in because you're going to the judgment seat. And you're not giving account for your cars or your homes or your money or your land or what you made in the stock exchange. You'll give an account what you've done with Jesus. Who wants to join? A church like this. Who wants to be part of Saul's brigade? Surrendered the will. They surrendered the witness. And here's the thing. You know what galls me most of all? And this drove me to tears. They surrendered their weapons. Soldiers don't like handing over their weapons. They don't like handing over their big tanks and their DJs and jeeps and helicopters and all for the enemy to drive around Taliban. Afghanistan and Taliban. Don't like to give up the land. Did they give it up? Three trillion dollars worth of it. Not a bit of it. They surrendered their weapons. I tell you, this is the bottom line. Hear what I'm saying as it close. The Philistines have 
disarmed them. An amnesty was called. They surrendered every weapon. They had taken all their chariots. They had taken all their horses. They had taken their men and children. And now they have taken their weapons. And not only that. All the forges and factories where they manufactured them was destroyed. Now you think of this. The only person that had a sword was the king and his son. Every man, every household, everyone around them all, every soldier, they disarmed them, gathered them up in lorry loads and chariot loads. They had plenty of chariots to carry them anyway. And carried them all the way back to Michmash. And left them with nothing. But not only that, they destroyed the forges and the factories where they made them. They're putting these boys out of business. There's no hope of them coming back after this. Can I tell you when you talk about copper mines, metal mines, brass mines, iron mines, Israel's the richest in the world. And of course, we're seeing this being replayed at the moment. And oil too. Oil. Don't you underestimate the oil that's, that's hidden in Israel that few know anything about. China knows it's there. Russia knows it's there. And they know the mines. The iron mines and the brass mines. The jewel mines. They know it all. It's all there. God has left them with everything. And they've lost it all. Now hold on as it close. What a sight for the great army of Israel. Now here's what I want you to take home with you and think about it. I'll start here next week, God will. There's not one piece of the soldier's armor in Ephesians chapter 6 that didn't depend on the smithy and on the forge. That didn't depend on the fire and the hammer. No forge, no fight, no weapons. Now that one of you, even the girdle of truth that Paul talks about, that wrapped round the body of the soldier was tightened in with a metal strap. So that whenever the soldier went to war, this old flowing garment round him would have tripped him and tossed him. He needs to be ready. He needs his loins scared about. You need to do the same. We need to be into the battle. We need nothing to hinder us or hold us back. Lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easy beset us. Let us run with race, the patience, the race that is set before. And they had, to, they had a metal strap. It had to be a metal strap. So that they hadn't that metal strap, which they obviously haven't, they had no, they couldn't hold on. They couldn't run. They couldn't fight. And all the rest of them are self-explanatory apart from the shoes. What about the sandals? Well, let me tell you about the sandals. The shoes 
of the sixth part of the armor, there was the helmet, you know what this was made of? There was the sword, you know what this was made of? There was the shield, you know what this was made of? Well, the shoes. What about the sandals, the shoes? Well, let me tell you, on the shoes of the Roman soldier was the diamond studs. So that whenever they went into battle, you see three times you read in Ephesians, like, stand, stand, stand. You see, if a soldier can't stand, if a soldier goes down, the walls, what other weapons he had? Nothing about the helm. Nothing about the girdle. Doesn't matter about the sword. Doesn't matter if he's down, if he's down. And the most important thing to do, as I close this morning, is to stand. Stand. Don't let the devil steal the arm. Put on the armor of God. Every morning when you I put it on physically every day. I just put it on every day. I don't know what it all means, but I put it on. And Keep me mine. Lord, keep me mine today. Truth. Give me in the word today. Above all, the shield of faith, Lord. Against the fiery dash. Let me stand against it. Let me stand against the fiery dash. The fiery dash will come. Listen, they'll come. They're coming to you. They've come to you all week. They'll come to you again. Get the, get the shield. Get down behind the shield of faith. God said to Abram, I am thy shield, and thine exceeding great. Get down behind Christ. Get in. Christ is, every bit of this armor speaks of Christ too. Every bit of it. This is where we end this morning, with a living, mighty Savior. This is where we end this morning, my friend, with a God who's almighty. And all he wants to do, all he wants to do, and you're going to see this next week, all he wants to do is some man or woman just stand forth and I'll deliver the people. I'll deliver them. They always have done it down through the centuries. But I get a few men that'll stand. Doesn't matter what Saul says. Jonathan never told Saul his father. What would you tell an old carnal boy like him what you were going to do? There are all crowd of people out there, my friend, and they don't understand. I wouldn't be bothered telling them about souls, and I wouldn't be bothered telling them about three prayer meetings a week. I wouldn't be bothered telling them about anything they don't understand. I'm talking about Christians. But we're in the fight. We're in the battle. We're in a crisis hour. We have surrendered. We need to get back our weapons and our chariots. We need to get back. That was the enemy has stolen Will you join us here in this church? Will you come to us here and stand with us in the prayer meetings? We're not fighting for a denomination or an organization. We're not fighting for some petty thing like the border down the Irish Sea. I couldn't care less. We're not marching and parading and holding flags up. We want to hold the blood-stained flag of Jesus up. That's what we need to do. We need to focus on the spiritual, not the physical. Boys, do you know what a boy said to me one time? He said, if I had channeled all my years since I got saved into the work of God instead of into politics and running after men, he said, I'd be a spiritual giant. God help us. That's done, let me tell you, it's finished. Get your eyes up, man.
Get into the battle. Get into the fight. We need to recover. We need to recover all. We need to recover our children that the enemy has taken. And let me say this. I didn't mean to say that I was keeping this to this. Let me say this. Saul was the problem here. Jonathan's father was the problem. And I want to say this, and I'll not be popular for saying it. I tell you, the generation that is gone, the generation of Christians that have gone, they're to blame. It's not the young people and the, young, the lovely young people and the teenagers that are to blame. The only thing I say about them is a wonder they're with us at all. It's a wonder they want anything to do with us at all. I tell you, as pastors and ministers, heard about a boy the other day, 60-something, what do you want to set a golf club? Ah. Ah, that's his fight. And you set a golf club. Ah, maybe take a week cruise. <laughs> Let me tell you, the world's cruising to hell. Retiring doesn't come into this job. It doesn't come into this man's life. We're in a crisis. We need help. The problem was with Saul. Is it any wonder he didn't tell him what he was going to do? Never told him a word. I'll tell you. There's some fathers. Some fathers and they're responsible for the state of their sons and daughters. No. No, Jonathan says to the armor bear, I'm putting up with no more of this. I'm sick. I'm tired of all this. We're done. We're bait. We're finished. My father's lying under a tree with 600 men around him, and they're thinking about with an early that belongs to Ichabod, and they're, they're sitting there just waiting to be killed. But I'm not going to take it. You read it. You read this chapter too for yourself now before next week. I'm not going to take any more of it. I'm going to take a stand. Boy, I tell you, did God not bless them? Did God not deliver them? Of course, then Earl Saul and Maul got in behind it, you see. This is it. You see, when the, when the battle's over, we battle here and battle here. Gee, when the revival comes, all oh, the law will be coming. Oh, they'll be on the bank in oh, mighty time. Aye. Oh, you're rascals. You criticize us to no end. Oh, 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 there's mighty times. We'll come, to the, we'll, come to the, we'll come to the meetings in the, in the light, but we'll not come in the summer, we'll go away. We'll stay away two or three months at a time. We might come next Sunday, we might not, we might go somewhere. This is all has to end. We want men and women here who'll stand and fight and recover the ground that the enemy has taken. And that's why this church is here, and that's why God has kept it here. I have no doubt about that. I was almost for packing up two years ago. Tired, weary. And the Lord gave me a mighty word in John and first epistle of John. Here's what he said to me. Bertie, look to yourself that you lose not that which you have wrought for. He says, what, Lord? Look to yourself that you lose not that which you've wrought for. You've wrought 32 years here. Are you going to lose it? Are you going to throw it away? 
Look to yourselves that you lose not that which you wrought for, that ye might receive a full reward. I'm looking for a full reward. And I've been standing with my feet here. I'll stand until it comes. God bless you.